today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. A good practice when you're in the Word of God, it's that of identifying the emphasis. Where's the emphasis on, I am the Lord your God that delivered you out of Egypt? Is it, I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of Egypt? I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of Egypt. A type of the world, by the way. Here's what I'm thinking. The emphasis is on, I am the Lord your God. You've seen the cute signs that changing the emphasis of a word creates ill-intended messages. When reading through scripture, it's essential to understand where the focus lies. When you do so, new meaning may appear. Pastor J.D. shares how the Lord emphasizing I when speaking to the Israelites reminds them that He is God. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Isaiah chapter 14 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 14, Ezekiel 28. You are the anointed cherub who covers. I establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Ah, You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you. And I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. You know how long forever is? (laughs) Forever. Can't wait. Can't wait. Verse 18. Isaiah continues, all the kings of the nations, all of them, sleep in glory, everyone in his own house. But you are cast out of your grave like an abominable branch, like the garment of those who are slain, thrust through with a sword, who go down to the stones of the pit, like a corpse trodden underfoot. You will not be joined with them in burial, because you have destroyed your land and slain your people. The brood of evildoers shall never be named. 
prepare, verse 21, slaughter for his children because of the iniquity of their fathers, lest they rise up and possess the land, and fill the face of the world with cities. For I, verse 22, notice the I wills. These are the real I wills. This is God saying, I will, and He will. (laughs) I will rise up against them, says the Lord of hosts, and cut off from Babylon the name and remnant and offspring and posterity, says the Lord. I will also make it a possession for the porcupine and marshes of muddy water. I will sweep it. Sorry about the overemphasis on it, but sweep it with the broom of destruction, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts, verse 24, has sworn, saying, Surely, as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. And as I have purposed, so it shall stand, that I will break the Assyrian in my land, and on my mountains tread him underfoot. Then his yoke, shall be removed from them, and his burden removed from their shoulders. Just a thought here real quick. You know, in the Old Testament, replete throughout the account with the Israelites, many, many times you hear God tell Moses to command Aaron to say to the people, I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of Egypt. Now here's a thought, and this is a good practice when you're in the Word of God. It's that of identifying the emphasis. Where's the emphasis on, I am the Lord your God that delivered you out of Egypt? Is it, I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of Egypt? I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of Egypt. A type of the world, by the way. Here's what I'm thinking. The emphasis is on, I am the Lord your God. So Moses is on Mount Sinai. Apparently he's taking a little bit too long up there. And the Israelites are getting a little bit impatient. In fact, so much time has gone by in their eyes that they're like, hey, he ain't ever coming back. And they said it just like that too. (laughs) So what do they do? They go to his older brother Aaron. Aaron, where's your brother? He ain't coming back. We need a God, because we're in the market now for a God. We need a God. What are you going to do? What do you mean, what am I going to do? Well, we need a God. Okay. Acquiesces to the pressure, takes the gold, puts it in the fire, fashions a golden calf. Where do you think they got that idea of a golden calf? Egypt. And I won't get graphic in the detail, but it's pretty graphic detail. They start worshiping this golden calf. And then who should show up? (laughs) 
this is the way I think. I know they have clinical terms for people who think like this, but if I'm there and I'm looking out of the corner of my eye, I'm doing a double take. Oh no, it's Mo. <laughs> He's, he does not look happy at all. What's that in his hands? I don't know, but he just threw him down to the ground and broke him. Oh, by the way, they contained the commandments of God written by the finger of God. So he confronts Aaron. What are you doing? Nothing. What's this? Oh, about that. So <laughs> it's the funniest thing. You know, I, I threw all this gold in the fire and then poof, out comes this calf. Actually, go back and you read the account. That's basically what he was saying. Not quite as silly as I just said it, but that was the gist of it. And then, <laughs> of course, you know the account, the people died and just the judgment of God. And then God declares this, I am the Lord your God. That is not your God. I am. Those gods are no gods at all. I am the Lord your God. Hear, O Israel, I am the Lord your God. I think we would do well to take heed. Because, you know, we're so quick, if we're honest with ourselves, especially when you're in the Old Testament, them Israelites, man, what a bunch of complainers. Oh, really? How about you? Oh, we're so quick to come down hard on the Israelites. Can I just suggest humbly, and I speak for myself as well, if we were there amongst them, we would do exactly like them, if not worse. Are you kidding me? I think about after the crossing on dry ground of the Red Sea. You would think right there, that would settle it once and for all. Because you know they were complaining before that too. And it wasn't just that they were complaining. It was so oh, unthinkable. Were there not enough graves in Egypt? that God had to bring us out here to kill us? Why didn't He just kill us in Egypt? Why did He have to go through all this, bring us out here? Weren't there enough graves there? He could have just killed us there. There's even one account. It's, this is why I know God has a sense of humor. So there's this dialogue between Moses and God concerning the murmuring of the Israelites. And throughout the account of the Israelites in the Exodus, I mean, one time God just sends snakes and just kills them. There was an account, I think it's number 16, with Moses' cousin Korah. There's this coup, and they want to take over, and Moses says, hey, you know, if you want, let's let God decide this. Let's meet tomorrow morning in the tent of meeting, and we'll let God decide this. So <laughs> they show up, and God says, okay, my decision is the earth is going to open up, and it's swallowed and killed them all. 
And then they started complaining, and then God just started killing them. And Moses and I wouldn't have done this. They start interceding on their behalf. God have mercy on them. I would not have prayed that. I would have said, God, get them. Get them. Come on. You would have done the same thing too. That's what I mean by worse. But throughout the common denominator, every single time, almost without exception, was that God would declare, I am the Lord your God, who delivered you out of Egypt, not this golden calf. And whatever that represents in your life, that's not your God. I am the Lord your God. Verse 26, this is the purpose that is purposed against the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out over all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has purposed. I like that word. And who will annul it? His hand is stretched out. And who will turn it back? Can I just paraphrase? Don't even think about it. You know what this is saying? God said it, that settles it. God has purposed it, God has sworn it, it will come to pass. When God says, I will, He will. Just wait, you'll see. I haven't used it for a while yet, so i got a few more. Verse 28, this is the burden which came in the year that King Ahaz died. Do not rejoice, all of you Philistia. In other words, kind of like, don't laugh, Philistia, you're next. And they are. Because the rod that struck you is broken, for out of the serpent's roots will come forth a viper, and its offspring will be a fiery flying serpent. I don't want to see that. The firstborn of the poor will feed, and the needy will lie down in safety. I will kill your roots with famine, and it will slay your remnant. Wail, O gate, cry, O city. All of you, Philistia, are dissolved, for smoke will come from the north, and no one will be alone in his appointed time. So what's this about? Well, it's believed that this is speaking of King Hezekiah, who after the death of King Ahaz destroyed the Philistines, according to this prophecy. And it's in Second Kings chapter 18. I want to read verses 5 through 8. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him, did not form an alliance with him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines, as far as Gaza and its 
territory. Wait a minute, pastor. Aren't the Philistines in Gaza the Palestinians today? No, they're not. And I'll tell you why. In the second century AD, when Rome had conquered Israel and destroyed Jerusalem, which actually was a fulfillment of a prophecy from the Savior Himself, and it took place exactly as Jesus said it would in 70 AD. As was the custom in that day, they would name that place that they just conquered after the arch enemy of the people they just conquered. Who were the enemies of the Israelites? The Philistines. So originally the name was Ariella Capitalina. Then they changed the name to Syria Philistia, and then they shortened it to just Philistia, which is a transliteration of Philistine or Palestinian. That's where that name came from. What if I told you that there's no such thing as a Palestinian? Well, somebody better tell them over there in Israel, you're, you're not Palestinians. Well, what are they then? They're Arabs. What are Arabs? A melting pot of different people groups? The, the, the best illustration, it's, it's the best I got, if you got a better one again, let me know, is that of a purebred dog. You got the pure German Shepherds, you got the pure Australian Shepherds, those are pure breeds. Egyptians are not Arabs, they're Egyptians. They are pure breed Egyptians. The Arab people are like, I know there's a word for it in Hawaii, but it's the word mutt. I'm a mutt basically. <laughs> it's a mixed breed of all of these different people groups. Moabites, Edomites, modern-day Jordan, that's going to be uh, coming up, Lord willing, next. The Jebusites, all the ites, basically. All of these Arab people groups. You get into Saudi Arabia. The reason why it's called modern-day Saudi Arabia is because it went to that area known as the Arabian Peninsula, was given to the house of Saud, Ibn Saud, the Saudis not the Wahhabis. Otherwise it would have been called Wahhabi Arabia. These are Arab people. They are a mixture of all of these different people groups, tribes, nations, languages, tongues, etc. But when you talk about Egyptians, they are pure breeds. These people that are today called the Palestinians, translated from, transliterated from Philistines, are Arabs. There's no such thing as a Palestinian. They are extinct. I grew up all my life. My parents told me that I was, you know, my dad was Egyptian and my mom was Palestinian. And so there was always, you know, growing up, whenever something on the news, and there was a lot of stuff on the news back then, about the Palestinian Liberation Organization, <laughs> and one Yasser Arafat. You know the only problem with Arafat? He was Egyptian. No, for real. You, you, you can find this. I hope it's not been scrubbed from the internet like everything else has. He, he was Egyptian. Arafat was an Egyptian. Anyway, I digress. I just wanted to let you know that they're not Palestinians. They're Arabs. 
Okay, verse 32, we'll finish the chapter. (laughs) What will they answer the messengers of the nation? That the Lord has founded Zion, and the poor of his people shall take refuge in it. Ah, I like to end the chapter and the Bible study with it this way, because it ends with the question and answer concerning what God says to his people and all the nations when he's judged them. Simply put, the foundation of God's judgment will stand, and the poor of God's people will take refuge in it. And I think that's a word for us, that's the takeaway for us. Take refuge in it. Rest in it. Trust in it. God's judgment will stand. He said it. He will do it. Just wait, you'll see. I tell you, it gets me through the day. It's what helps me sleep at night when I hit my head on that pillow, (laughs) is knowing that one day, soon and very soon, (laughs) God is going to settle all of this. He'll have the final word on all of this. And I can't wait. I cannot wait. It's coming. And I want to say, okay, this is the last thing. (laughs) I want to say to those perpetrators of this unspeakable evil upon mankind that we are witnessing today in the world, and it's evil, and it's satanic, and it's demonic. I want to say to them, I want to say to them what God says about them. You know what God says about them? It's actually not what He says, it's what He does. You know what He does? (laughs) He laughs. I wonder what kind of laugh. You know, there's different kind of laughs, right? (laughs) No, there is, right? Like that. There's the courtesy laugh. (laughs) There's the machine gun laugh. different kind of laughs. I wonder what kind of laugh that's going to be. I want to be there to hear it. He laughs at them. You fools. You you actually think you're going to be gods and live forever? (laughs) He laughs. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that we have chapters like this in our Bibles because it's a much-needed reminder of what's coming. And more importantly, who's coming? You. And when you do, you are going to reign in righteousness over all the earth, and you will judge all the nations of the earth. And as far as the enemy, this who deceived all the nations, you are going to cast him into the lake of fire and the demons with him for all eternity. And Lord, we can't wait. 
but we have to wait. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one, as the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow, what an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes, and we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out calvarychapelkaneohe.com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah. Looking forward to next time here on In Spirit and Truth.